On Sex Positive Me, we explore all aspects of sex and relationships, ranging from fetishes and BDSM to ethical non-monogamy and LGBTQ issues. Sex Positive Me destigmatizes sexual practices and relationships while reconciling reality with myth and misconceptions. Our goal is to educate, entertain, and be advocates of sexual freedom. And now here's your hosts, Angelique and John Luna. Hey everybody, this is Angelique Luna, and I'm here with my quarantine, stay-at-home, husband, tech guy, uh, trying to keep Trying to keep our sanity and uh, (laughs) not go off the edge, so... It's okay, John, you can go off to the edge. (laughs) When you see me streaking through the neighborhood, you know it's gone too far. (laughs) We're trying there. So we're back on the on the rodeo doing podcasts. Yay. And we have our first film. This one. Yeah. Well, actress, producer, writer, director from your hometown. Yes, Chicago. That's where I was born and raised. Homo Portillo. So oh, <laughs> you can tell what's my favorite food. But let Zana introduce herself. Did I do that right? Hi. Hey. It's Zana. Zana. It's Zana. I knew it. Fine. <laughs> And we just okay. had a discussion about this. I always do this. It's, so, it's totally fine. Usually it takes people a few times. It's not a it's not a usual name. Um, I also didn't know you were from Chicago. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah. That's Graduated awesome. from yeah. College of DuPage. So, yeah, I was all over that city until 18. And then Mickey decided to kidnap me. And I've been here for 25 years. So, in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> so, tell us about your background. And then we'll, we'll go yeah. straight into talking about the film. Awesome. Um so I am, I'm Zaina. I'm an independent filmmaker from Chicago, Illinois. Um, I have produced 15 films since 2015. Um, I, I really, I'm, I guess I could say that I'm passionate about two things. And that is demystifying the micro-budget film process. And then also creating activist-centered work. So all of my films that I've produced, directed, written... Um, are created and produced on a micro-budget scale. So the biggest budget I've had being $5,000, the smallest budget being $100. And a lot of my films center things like uh, trauma and sexual assault awareness, uh, feminism, intersectionality, uh, things of that nature. So I uh, really love filmmaking, and I honestly can't see myself doing anything else. I wear a lot of different hats, as, as people do in, in the film world, in the indie film world. But my favorite is production. I like the logistics of things. My favorite is producing. And um, specifically focusing on unlearning sex, the, my, my most recent feature doc. This feature doc, um, I, I wrote, produced, directed, and edited. And it's also my story. So I wear a lot of hats for this one. Well, with a budget of $5,000, I can imagine you're, you're post-production, pre-production, a little bit of writing, a little bit of uh, lighting, so everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this one, $5,000 is like the most expensive film that I've, that I've done, the biggest budget I've had. This film, from start to finish, will be less than $2,000. Oh, wow. you got skills. Yeah. <laughs> you, got, you learn to be nimble and scrappy when when you're an independent filmmaker for sure 
Definitely, yeah, because, you know, here in Orlando, we ha used to have a lot in the film community before they decided to mm -hmm. get rid of the uh, tax break, and then everyone went to Georgia, so I, I know what yeah. it takes to, like, cost and production and film, but I've seen, you know, a little bit of the previews of the links that you send us uh, on your films, and you've done some great quality work there, and it's fabulous. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm yeah. Do that. So, Unlearning Sex. How come you came up with that title before we go into the meat of the subject? Yeah, so I am actually a part of a documentary fellowship program um, from Cartemquin. Cartemquin is a uh, documentary, a renowned documentary organization that focuses on social justice films. And yearly, they have a program called Diverse Voices and Docs, where they take uh, a cohort of diverse filmmakers and they workshop projects that they're working on. And um, my project, Unlearning Sex, originally was called A Survivor's Story because it was following my journey through sexual trauma therapy. Um, what I started sexual trauma therapy last summer, and my therapist, she specializes in narrative exposure therapy, and she helps people heal um, not just through embodiment and different processes, but also finding a medium to help, help them process trauma and pain and um, a lot of people choose creative mediums. Me being a filmmaker, I chose film. And so I recorded via audio all of our therapy sessions. And uh, I also recorded myself on camera before and after and while doing like the therapy homework just to track my progress, but also um, have a reference point if I wanted to remember something my therapist said or or whatever, if I was feeling triggered or having a lot of anxiety, just to have something to go back to, the tools that I needed, and uh, just have a way to reflect. And as I started re-watching and re-listening, I realized how much I had changed over the course of six months and I, how much I had grown. And it was really astonishing the way that I was coping and the person that I was before I had faced my trauma and then during and then after the six month period and so uh because of that i i compiled it and after i compiled everything i was like this needs to be more of a discussion so that's when i reached out to different organizations therapists educators activists and put together roundtable discussions to kind of create intercuts in a interview format um as people will be able to watch my journey of through the six months of trauma therapy. So that's where that all came about. And as I started compiling and editing, I realized that the name was not just about my story as a survivor. It really was about having to undo and having to unlearn and having to like restart and reset, especially because therapy had me go back to where the seed of this all started. And it really, a lot of times it's the framework in which we are taught. Um, it's the way that we exist in the world. It's, it's how we occupy our bodies, how we're told to um, move throughout the, the, the world. Um, and the things that we're told to believe, the things that we blame ourselves for, it was just so much unlearning that I had to do um, in order to heal. And that's, that's kind of where, I guess, throughout the edit process and throughout the progression of creating this film, that's how the name came about. Well, first of all, kudos for sharing this. Um it's such a, a private thing to go through therapy over such a trauma like that and to go ahead and then turn it into a film and share it with the world. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. but al 
also, um, we've gone through uh, our daughter as a sex abuse survivor, and we've gone mm-hmm. through the therapy. And again, a lot of people are very reluctant to go to therapy. But honestly, when you said it, it's the first time I ever thought of actually recording it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, now that she's 19 and grown up, there's so many things I would have loved to have remembered or, or, mm-hmm. or you know, in, in still difficult times. Because for some, it's never it's an it's a healing process that almost never ends. Every yeah. so often you go back, have to, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that, that we we address in the film is how trauma manifests differently for everybody. And it is a very personal thing where some people may have that initial response and then other people, you know, it may be, it may show up in their lives in different ways throughout the course of their life. And I'm one of those people that, you know, it is an ongoing thing. And so for me, recording um, and having a reference point and something to go back to was very helpful. Um, and a lot of people are very apprehensive to go to therapy because they don't know what it's like. I think the media portrays a really unrealistic um, kind of visual uh, or, or I'm, I'm blanking on the word I'm looking for, but they, they set an unrealistic expectation as to what to expect from therapy a lot of times. Um, and I really stigmatized. Go ahead. Yeah, it was, it's very stigmatized because I was actually one of the mm-hmm. first and only parents to tell the um, child advocacy office that, hey, I want to get my daughter into therapy right away. And they all looked at me like, you know, why? And I'm like, because yeah. she's gone through a trauma. Well, once we started going through the program, yes, I was the only pro-advocate of mental health and every parent grandparent relative said no we don't want to do therapy we don't i'm like you're doing a disservice to your child what absolutely and and you're doing a disservice to yourself and Mm -hmm. just the amount of stigma around the mental health let alone the you know sexual abuse was insane because that's one thing i've always been like an advocate so i never know which one i'm on the black sheep because i'm an advocate for mental health or an advocate for sex it's like, mm-hmm. which one's the lesser of the two evils? So Yeah. It's hard. It's a, it's a difficult topic. It's definitely stigmatized, and, and people don't really understand it or the benefit of it um, or why, why people do go to therapy and the different types of therapy and the things that are addressed in therapy. And it's a, it's a whole world that we, we talk a lot about, but we don't necessarily oftentimes don't get to see someone through the healing process and what that can look like. Not saying that everyone's healing journey is the same, but one of the main reasons why I chose to do this was for it to be a resource for survivors to understand that um, this is a path that they can take, that, that this is why therapy is necessary and this is what this can look like. Oh, absolutely, though. I mean, we try to also explain to people that there's several different ways to having therapy. And then also that sometimes alternative relationships like the BDSM and King community can be therapeutic and healing if it's done properly with, you know, counselors and therapists, you know, to communicate and process their feelings. And sometimes people don't understand, even within the mental health therapy, there's several different types between emotional, um, psychological, uh, I, I mean, the whole list went down of like options there to find mm-hmm. the right therapist. And I always mm-hmm. tell people, it's like trying to find the right therapist is trying to find the right shoe. You got to try a couple on before you find the perfect fit. Absolutely. Absolutely. 1000%. Well, 
I got to see the the trailer you put together. I know uh, you're still in post production for the film, but I loved when you asked um, two people, "What's the problem with sex ed?" And the resp- yeah. or what's missing from sex ed? And the re- the response was, "Well, the sex part." Yeah, because <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. The film uh, it's, it's 120 minutes long, and we have six different chapters. So we start off with defining what is a sexual assault and what is and what is uh yeah defining what is sexual assault and then we go into what is sexual trauma the third chapter is misconceptions surrounding sexual assault and trauma then we go into consent then intersectionality and the final chapter is sex education and sex positive parenting and me asking the what is missing from sex ed is the first part of of that chapter of the film um and it's really it's very very interesting to me that you know, there's so much talk about what to avoid, what could go wrong. Um, and there's there's very little knowledge beyond just, you know, biological, like reproductive based teaching of, of sex. There's not we don't have comprehensive sex education. We rarely have that anywhere. And these conversations need to be happening from a very young age. Um and it's something that is widely accepted, abstinence-only sex, sex ed, um, abstinence-driven sex ed, fear tactics. Like, those are things that are usually incorporated within sex ed, and it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't help anybody. Well, the amount of people we encounter that still have such guilt around not just sex but pleasure in general, just because yeah. of the way they were talked about it as a child – they bring it into adulthood mm-hmm. and bring it into their relationships and, and their marriages. And there is, there's so few resources even at that point to go ahead yeah. and resolve it. Because, again, if you look for I need sex with help, the first person, you know, they, they, they immediately start thinking, oh, the adult industry. And it's like, no, they're, they're, we're not talking sex as in biology. We all know how that part works. It's sure. intimacy. and yeah. That is what is missing, um, not ju- not just for again kids. And thankfully, there are much more uh, resources for sex positive parents to teach their kids. But we're finding adults for in their forties and fifties that are turning around, going, I, "I, you know, I've never talked about this," and it's yeah. amazing. It's it's definitely pleasure is another huge topic that we cover in this film because I I am a survivor where um, I. Throughout the film, it journey it it journals five different assaults, and one of them involving pleasure and me not being aware that it was an assault. And one of the homework assignments from my my therapist was for me to actually start masturbating again, because I needed to rediscover my body and give consent to my body, but also start reshaping neurologically, physically, emotionally what pleasure was for myself and giving myself consent to have pleasure in a safe space, in a space that I consented to. And I did not realize that I did not, I was unaware of what had happened to me being an assault because there was pleasure involved. And a lot of times that brings on a lot of guilt for survivors. You know, if this was bad, why would I feel this way? Or, and this is why I can't tell anybody about it. Things of that nature. Um, And also we talk about in the sex education chapter, when we talk about pleasure, we speak, one of the um, sex educators, uh, his name is Saeed, he talked about how 
when he talks to boys about about sex, a lot of times pleasure, even for them, is still left out of the conversation. And if we start teaching pleasure as a part of the conversation, that also can intertwine consent. We also can be cognizant of what our partner's feelings are, what feels good to them, because we're focusing on what feels good to us, what feels good to them. It makes for healthier experiences altogether. And not demonizing that, because teaching kids that that pleasure is not okay at all is just as detrimental as the overexposure. You know, it's, it's something that it's a huge topic in the film and I'm so glad that it is because it's just, it's missing. It's missing from sex education. Absolutely. It's very important to have that because I think people are afraid or just don't know how to talk about it. I know when we teach a couple of parents how to talk to your kids about sex, age-appropriate sex education, some of them just turn around and says, can't we just pay you and teach our kid? I'm like, no, I'm going to try to fix you. I tell them straight up, I'll fix you. You pay me to fix you. So that way you're the resource and they keep coming to you. You don't need to keep paying me. And eliminating the shame. You know, the shame that's around just sex in general, but, but intimacy, but pleasure, sex, all of that. Like, there should be, it's just a part of life. And I, I think it should be spoken about that. Of course, there's age-congruent sex talks. We talk about that in the film, that it's not really age-appropriate because there's not an inappropriate way to talk about, um, you know, pleasurable sex, healthy sex, those things. But there is age congruent sex talks that you can have with your kids depending on where they are. You know, it's uh, talking to your child about consent and, and reproduction and sex and things like that is going to look different when they're seven as to when they're 17. Um, So there's of course different ways to have those conversations, but it shouldn't be an awkward topic in your house. It should be something that is open. Go ahead. No, please keep going. I was just going to say, it should be something that's, that's open, that's welcome, because having that open line of communication is what's going to build trust. And, and that's, that's another way to, to further protect your kids, sheltering them. You know, I grew up in a very strict religious Christian household, and we were sheltered from a lot of things. We were naive to a lot of things. And that backfired because what my parents thought they were doing was protecting us, but in turn, it, it, it was the opposite because we were kind of thrown to the wolves. And, and it's just important to start having those conversations very, very early. Well, one thing I wanted to touch on is there's definitely the, the social shame for the sex, the intimacy, and, and the pleasure. And over the last mm-hmm. few years, what I've realized is when I talk with um, coaching clients, they'll say stuff like, well, I was, and even something as simple as I went and got a pedicure, and it was a long week, I deserved it. And what I realized was every time someone did something as simple as you know, going for a massage or taking a weekend off and going to the beach, it was immediately followed up with an excuse on why it was okay for them to do it. As mm-hmm. opposed to just saying, <laughs> God damn it, I'm an adult. I'm going on a vacation. I'm doing this without a justification. Just to enjoy the yeah. pleasures of it, you know, whatever it is, you know, as we like to say, guilty pleasures of eating that chocolate chip cookie when you're on a diet and it's your carb day, you know? Yeah. All right. We're going to take a short little break and listen to our sponsors who are being nice to us during this, you know, quarantine time and still taking care of us. And we'll be right back with more um, talking about unlearning sex. Hey, John, I want to get a new toy. Okay, so let's go to Fair Villa. But I don't want to waste time trying to find out what goes with what. Well, there's Fair Villa University and their staff is very well educated and helpful. 
Okay, but how about if I just want to go to a party instead? Then go to their website, because on their calendar they list all their events. But I don't want to spend a lot of money. Have you heard of their loyalty program? Oh yeah, that thing on my keychain that makes everyone blush every time they see it. That's the one. Let's go. Well, they have over five locations in Central Florida. Which one do you want to go to? Fair, Fair Villa. Villa. For, For pleasure, fun, and, and fantasy. fantasy. So this is how much fun we have on a podcast, and I love our audience and my crazy rants. <laughs> hey, it's a tough subject that we're talking about, but the information that is in this movie is priceless. And well, so healing and needed. It, it definitely needed um, because we've gone through this personally um, through our daughter's experiences, and what we what we saw, and this was going back ten years, uh, a little over ten years, when we found out it's about twelve now, how little resources there were. So the fact that it's being uh, put into a movie and and showing what therapy can do, because most people think therapy is just a Band-Aid, oh, you can just deal with it yourself, and, and, and it's not. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't go ahead mm-hmm. and say, hey, you have corona, go home and uh, make some tea, and uh, yeah, you'll get over it. But we do yeah. that so much with anything uh, um, associated with, with mental illness or trauma. Um, mm-hmm. said, one of the things we were bringing up was uh, about talking with your kids is such a uncomfortable subject when it comes to sex, but in reality... We make it that uncomfortable, we being parents, because we get so nervous at it. And it's really, I think it's one of those hereditary things, because my parents, I'm sure, I know they had a very uncomfortable conversation with me, and their parents probably mm-hmm. had a very convers- uncomfortable conversation with her. Thankfully, mine with my child was a little bit more... Well, um, yeah, no, we definitely were more, much, much better with our child, because we kind of made sure we normalized the conversation about sex and sex education. We did not hide anything. We did do comprehensive sex education ourselves with our daughter, which ended up getting us in trouble with other parents because their kids ended up coming over and asking us questions and getting resources. It's like, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Luna, can we get some condoms and lubes? And I'm like, just don't tell your parents where you got this. Or, you know, answering all these questions. So, yeah, we were like those bad instigators but yeah we are both um born and raised catholic john's italian i'm mexican so i am first generation born here so you can imagine the um, lack of conversations and the beatdowns of like don't have sex with boys don't be with boys and i'm just like really and it's like lo and behold i had older friends and learned things that they will never want to (laughs) know Yeah, and you know, and that's something that I think is so overlooked. It, for me, I, me and my siblings were all homeschooled until we went to college, and we went to college when we were fourteen years old, wow. and so we were thrown into an adult environment very early. And I have clips of my mom in the doc in the first first chapter. Um, I talked to both my mom and dad. Uh, my mom, I, she said that she would not. She didn't need to talk to us about sex because boys were supposed to be your friend at that age. You know, they you weren't supposed to be interested in a romantic partnership or intimacy or being intimate with a man at 14. But what she failed to realize was that, you know, throwing us into an adult environment, very naive, very trusting, very unaware, um, that, that completely backfired because we were surrounded by people 
especially at a community college where you have people that could be up to twice your age, um, being 14 years old, uh, that was, that was dangerous. That was really scary. And it was very easy to be taken advantage of. And I, you know, looking back, I wish that I had more, um, comprehensive, but also just real honest conversations. Um, and it wasn't looked at as like, you're too young to know this because so many times children are surrounded by their peers, but you don't know who else they're going to be going to be around, what other information that they're going to be getting from where, um, and creating a space where it's like, you don't need to know these things because you're a child and, and sheltering your children from that is it's the recipe for disaster. And that's exactly what happened to me. A lot of parents don't mean to do it and they do believe they're protecting their child. But the misinformation mm -hmm. turns them into victims because there are predators out there and we need more. Absolutely. Kids need to know more than just sex is bad, run the other way. But also they need to Absolutely. know the proper medical terms for their body and anatomy. Okay, So that way they can express it in case anything does happen. Right. Not butterfly, flower, pee-pee. I, I, I just drove right. insane how many parents just feel very awkward by saying the biological scientific name of the anatomy literally yeah yeah absolutely absolutely we talk, we talk about that in the film as well and i i, I it's it's a whole it's a whole topic we with some of the, the sex educators i talked to um one of them said that they had dealt with sex educators who literally did not want to say the word vagina and they were like teaching at a school and were oh. uncomfortable actually saying the word. And it's just, it's mind blowing to me, like how everything is so stigmatized and how everything is looked at as so just, just wrong. So, so dirty. So just like we, we literally paint sex with something that is so bad for children and then expect them to be able to have these healthy, flourishing, like, consensual relationships with people. Well, it's, it's mind-blowing. Well, let me tell you how even more disturbing it is because um, my daughter's sex abuse was caught on film by the, the local county sheriff. So when we finally got to talk with the uh, district attorney about the case, you know, the mm -hmm. district attorney started asking my daughter questions. It's like, did he touch your flower? Did you touch your butterfly? And me and my daughter looked at each other. What are you talking about? And then we both yeah. said vagina. And the, the state attorney was just like, what, what? And like, yeah, she knows it's a vagina. Yeah, it's a vagina right there. And, yeah. And unfortunately, wow. her abuse was actually um, loving because it was from her paternal grandfather. So even oh. though she knew the body parts, it, it was very nurturing and loving the sex abuse. Mm, so but, wow yeah, like i said even like you know the government office using those terms instead of saying the word straight up was like oh god this is how fucked up our society is that is insane that is crazy like the government like wow i i like i have no words wow 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 you know have, having because you, you mentioned the sex ed teacher who couldn't say the word vagina, my mind immediately said, that's like having a gym coach that is afraid of balls. I mean, yeah. how do you do your job if you can't? You, literally, like, how do you do, <laughs> how do, you do your job? How and did you get qualified? And, and he, yeah, like, we, we, 
well the thing is also we talk about this like statewide they they have like comprehensive sex education and things that uh, are given to school but it's to schools but it's it's up to whoever is teaching the class how they want to share it and a lot of times schools don't have a designated sex ed teacher a lot of times it's like also the health teacher or the gym teacher or whoever they have also teaching sex ed and we talk about the importance of actually having somebody in the school who that is their job um and why that is so needed oh yeah it's it's missing and oh so many topics i i would love to see that on a budget for a school district just yeah. even if, you know, even if there was like one per county, and some of these counties will have a hundred schools in them, that's still better than what we have these days. Yeah, right. Oh man. Well, I, I know with the the, the film um, Unlearning Sex that uh, you went over your therapy, but at the end of therapy, one of the most important things that does come out of that is healing. Mm-hmm. So. Ha- you said there was a huge difference from when you started to when you ended. If you don't mind, share that with us. So basically this film like details, in addition to roundtable interviews with um, therapists and activists and educators, um, it details my six month journey through sexual trauma therapy. And the first assignment that I had for my therapist um, and what I did to pretty much prep for the, the upcoming therapy sessions was to write a, a document of every situation where I had been assaulted or violated. And there were five different assaults. And that was very, that was very, very hard for me to do. It took me a couple of days to do it just because I had to keep stepping away. Um, and then what my therapist did was each therapy session over the course of six months, we went over that document and uh, she would highlight and color code different things in the narrative. And she would help me identify things like shame and blame and guilt and help me rephrase my language so that I understood, you know, why I reacted the way that I reacted and helping me navigate trauma and understanding that, you know, a lot of the, the responses that I had to these traumas, these traumatic situations, to these assaults, it's actually normal. Um, she helped me identify that I had a trauma response to pleasure and, and how to navigate that and how to work through that. Um, and over the course of six months, at the end of that, she had me rewrite that document with the tools that I have now. And it was, it was astonishing to see that difference. I, I have a time-lapse recording of me writing the first document and she also had me write a letter to my 16-year-old self, um, forgiving her for, or relinquishing a lot of the blame that I had toward her for her naivety, because I did blame myself for, for not knowing, for being so trusting um, of people that wound up hurting me. And um, I, I have time-lapse recordings of uh, myself writing these letters at the beginning of therapy and then six months later and the first videos I'm like sobbing the whole time and having to take breaks. And as at, at the end of it all in, uh, after the six month period going through that, those same exercises and rewriting those documents and rewriting the letter, it was such a difference. 
I was breathing different. I was writing different. I was getting through it without shedding a tear. Um, just because of the knowledge that I had and just because of the language that I had and what I understood about myself. And um, it was, that's really what prompted me to be like, okay, this could really help somebody because I was shocked seeing what a difference trauma therapy had made in, in me coping uh, and working through my trauma. Now question, have you been to just regular therapy, not trauma therapy? Because there is a difference between the two. There is. I did. I, I did when I was 19. I started, I went to therapy um, and it was, <laughs> I finally, I opened up to my mom and finally told her I was in therapy and her only response was, is it a Christian therapist? Oh, I was like, okay. gosh. Yeah, that was, that was, that did not end well. Um, so, but that was the first time that I went to therapy and it was really, that was the first time that I sat down and was able to express to somebody how I was feeling, but I was not aware that I was dealing with, um, sexual trauma because again, the framework of understanding, um, of what sex and intimacy was, was still very new to me. Um, and it was, it's also for me. Uh, getting to the root of it all and being with a therapist that you trust uh, is really important. I just went to my school's therapy center. They had a mental health center and students could, throughout the course of their college career, take 20 sessions for free. And so it was like whoever is like available and, you, you know, you just go. Mm -hmm. But this was something that with trauma therapy, with sexual trauma therapy, it was something that was very specialized. Um, I researched my therapist. I found a therapy center that I trusted and uh, I found somebody that I really wanted to work with because of the work that they did with narrative exposure therapy and with her being um, a black woman, um, a black queer woman um, who just was very, she embodies intersectionality and was very affirming in that way. Um, so, so that was, it was a huge difference from just going to general therapy and going to therapy that was specific to sexual trauma therapy. Well, I'm glad you were able to find, uh, again, a therapist who speaks to you. A lot of people don't think of that. They're like, oh, a therapist is a therapist. But when you think about it, it's like, how many doctors have you been to or, or kind of left because they had a certain, I don't know, a, a way of doing medicine or maybe dismissed your complaints that you didn't like. Mm -hmm. So you may have gone through mm -hmm. many MDs. Why not go through multiple uh, mental health uh, therapist because you need to find someone who speaks to you and Absolutely. unfortunately out there because we've looked for therapists and I have nothing against older white women but there is a lot of them that are older white women and yeah. <laughs> it, it's hard for uh, and I'll sort of speaking for someone else here it's hard for minorities uh, and and queer people to find a therapist that speaks mm -hmm. to them when they're speaking to someone who's not living a life like theirs. Or have experienced any of like the discriminations or anything. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm like I said, Mexican and bisexual here and like going through five different therapists to just find the right therapist was very frustrated. And it was just like, mm -hmm. give me a break. I know what my sexual identity is. I know what my boundaries are. That's not helping me heal the loss of my daughter's innocence. So right. work with me here. So, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. 
Well, I want to say thank you very much uh, for taking time and talking to us during this quarantine session. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. But um, Unlearning Sex is the name of the title. Uh, when, when is it going to be released and where can people look for it? And find you. Yes. So we are right now in post-production for the full film, slated to be done by the end of the month at the latest mid-May. And that's when we're starting to submit it to um, social justice, oriented festivals and documentary film festivals. Uh, the goal with this film is actually to take it on a trauma awareness tour. And given the state of the world right now, that's not going to happen this year. But for Sexual Assault Awareness Month next year, in 2021, we're hoping to be able to do that. Um, I am still figuring out exactly where the film is going to live because this is something that is a very sensitive subject. It also, it can be very triggering to people. So I want to make sure that I'm sharing it in, in safe spaces. Um, but uh, it is going to be hitting the festival circuit this, this year. Um, and people can follow me on Instagram. It's just my first name, underscore, underscore, Z-A-N-A-H. And I'll be posting updates about the film from there. Well, we're look we're looking forward to the release, and we'll push the dates up uh, when when they become available. But uh, I know you've done a lot of films, but this is this is obviously a personal one for you. So yeah, yeah, this is your baby, and yeah. <laughs> this is her soul, not her baby. This is her soul because that's a yeah. lot. When you're talking about your therapy and your healing and your journey, yeah, that that that's a whole different level. Yeah, it this was a the most vulnerable that I've had to ever be uh, with any project that I've, that I've done. And I just, I want to make sure that um, the spaces that, I, that it is that I shared in are, are very supportive spaces and um, working with organizations to share it with their audiences, even if that's virtually, or if they have a platform where um, their, their audiences can find it. Um, we're still working out as far as distribution goes exactly, but the, if you follow me on Instagram, the teaser is there, and you'll see a three three minutes of footage from the film. Sounds great. Well, thank you very much, everyone. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us everywhere on social media. We're trying to be very uh, non humorous on our little quarantine. So oh no, we're always humorous. Don't even even on. <laughs> you you can't approach a subject as sensitive like this and sex with a stiff upper lip. You you you, yep. you you gotta go ahead. Humor's part of life. You you just gotta go with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll talk to you soon. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.